Hello and welcome to Victoria's Living Christian Center's Victoria's Living Podcast. Victoria's Living Christian Center is a church that strives to stand for goodness and is committed to encourage and show a better way. A church whose vision is to see God's people living a victorious life. This is accomplished through community outreach, education, healthy living, and support groups while still providing spiritual growth. Our goal is to meet the needs of man, spiritually as well as naturally. So welcome and enjoy. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for bringing us together one more time, God, to come together and join and learn of you. Father, you said where two and three are gathered together, you are there in the midst. So, God, we pray, God, that you be in the midst of us on today, God, and that you teach us. Give us fresh wisdom and anointing on today, God. And, God, we just pray that you you speak to the teacher on tonight, God, that you continue to give her a fresh word and that she can bring forth everything as you desire to be brought to us. And, God, open up our hearts and our minds to be able to receive. God, we thank you and forever give your name the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So now we're on screw tape letters, letter number 27. The title is Answers. And um, reading the intro, it says, Wormwood has failed. As the patient's love for the girl continues to grow stronger and war efforts loom, his prayers have shifted from normal daily bread prayers to attentive appeals directly to God for guidance. Since Satan is a master at distraction, Screwtape instructs Wormwood to attack the legitimacy of prayer. If he cannot create a man, create in the man a pious prayer life, the next best thing to do is to convince him that the answers to his prayers are what is going to happen or not happen anyway. If successful, Wormwood might be able to convince the man to stop praying altogether. And the quote is, don't forget to use the heads I win, tails you lose argument. If the thing he prays for doesn't happen, then that is one more proof that petitionary prayers don't work. If it does happen, he will of course be able to see some of the physical causes which led up to it, and therefore it would have happened anyway. Okay, so we're talking about prayer. Topic is really about answered prayers. Um, one of the things that one of the things that he talks about that that, that there's so much first of all, there's so much in this that it was just a lot, <laughs> and I'm trying to absorb it all but I took a couple of notes about some things. I'm going to go by the book and we're talking about some of the things that he talked about that, that the enemy tries to do. Um, I'm going to really touch on maybe two or three of the types of prayers and what the enemy wants us to do as far as countering it with distractions. I mean, when we, when we are faced with distractions, right? 
we are faced with distractions. The enemy, we know that a lot of things will pop in our head while we're trying to pray. And sometimes we'll say, oh, the enemy's trying to distract me. He's trying to make me think on these things when I'm trying to focus on my prayer. Because sometimes we'll be, we'll be praying and our prayer, our prayer will be just very general, very basic, but then distractions will come. And then you're struggling trying to stay focused. Now, what happened in the letter that Wormwood rebuked, uh, no, Screwtape rebuked, rebuked Wormwood because he, distraction is one of the things that the enemy does, but overly distracting will bring attention to the distraction and could cause the patient or, or, the, or the saint to begin to pray concerning that distraction. And what has happened in the midst of this letter, it starts off where that's exactly what Wormwood did. He overdid it. That's why he told him he failed because he was supposed to distract the patient while he's praying, but not to the point where he pays attention to the distraction. And now he's praying concerning the distractions. And that's sometimes, you know, I looked at that and I was like, oh, wow. You know, and I've done that sometimes like, I'll be praying and I'll be praying for something specific and then something will pop in my head as a distraction. And then the first couple of times I'll try to ignore it. But if it keeps popping in my head, I will turn around and pray it. Has that ever happened to anyone? Has anyone ever experienced that? Yes. Yeah. Like you, you're, you're praying and you're trying to, you know, just, you know, you know, do the basic prayer, you know, thank you Lord for this day you know, keeping us, watching over us. And then all of a sudden a distraction will come or or you're here, like he said in the, in the commentary that I watch, he said things like the baby will cry in the other room or um, you'll get a phone call and it's somebody, you know, or, you know, you find out somebody's calling you and you, you know, you don't pick it up, but you may, you may glimpse over at your phone and see the name. You know what I'm saying? Because sometimes you pray your phone nearby and you may see the name, but you don't pick it up because you know you really want to pray. But you may shift to that person saying, God bless whoever that person is. And, you're, and you begin to pray and see on behalf of that person. So that's one of the things that he that, that I found very interesting that even though they want to use it as a tool to distract us, but if we get too distracted, it can backfire on them and the enemy. So um, looking at question number one, it talks about the uh, distraction. According to screw tape, what can happen when distractions or sins surface during prayer? And I said it can lead the patient, you know, to sincerely pray about those things. Uh, when we offer sincere prayers to God, he listens and acts. And what specifically should Wormwood do when distraction or sins surface during the patient's prayer? Wormwood is encouraged, Wormwood is to encourage the patient to thrust away the distraction and try to continue normal everyday prayers that are said with little sincerity. So we, we busy fighting the distractions when we think about it. And here's another thing that just popped in my head. Okay. These distractions that come, we look at them and say, Oh, it's distractions. Why do you think, God would allow the distractions to come. 
Like I'm looking at it like as if, okay, he allows the enemy to distract us. He allows the enemy to throw these things at us. Why, what, um, how can I say it? Peradventure that he, God's allowing the distractions to come so that we would pray concerning that distraction or concerning that thing that the enemy's popping in our heads. You understand what I'm saying? Do you kind of get it or you don't? You following me? Yeah, it looks like God's trying to um, get your attention. Get us in, in a growth position. Yeah, well, in a growth position too, because if we're continuing to try trying to pray, at least he knows we're trying to pray, but we have to keep practicing it, you know, to the point where you're not distracted. Very good. Yep, yep, yep. It strengthens you and helps you to stay focused. That's very good. That's very good. But I was looking at it in terms, that's a very good point. That's a very good point. I got to pause on that. Yeah, because it, it it teaches us how to remain focused. It's like, um, I know I'm going to say a little movie. Um, the movie Happy Gilmore, where he was at the at the little golf thing. He was trying to practice. And then the, the when he went to put the ball, the, the, the little earthquake happened and the building fell over and it did, and all these noises and stuff was trying to distract him from focusing on putting. It's the same thing, you know, and, and what it did, he, he had to learn how to blot out all the distractions to remain focused. So that's a very good point, Providence, that you're saying that God allows the enemy to distract us so that we could be strengthened, that we can grow in our prayer life, so that we won't allow these things to distract us. That's very good. But the point I was doing was the opposite, that God maybe allows the distractions so that we will focus, that he's trying to speak to us in the midst of distraction to pray for that distracting, distraction. You understand what I'm saying? That he's yes. allow, he's allowing the distraction that we will pray for, so that we will pray for it, that we will take note and begin to pray, and that we will shift our prayer from something that's just everyday normal, you know, sincere to where is what is going on in the back of our heads. That distraction that's going on in the back of our heads. It could be God bringing somebody to the forefront for us to pray and intercede or a situation for us to pray and intercede. Like you may think of a, you may, a, a random kid may pop in your head and he, and you see this person, this kid, he's, you know, he, he looks like he's tattered. He ain't got no, his clothes are torn and dirty. And you may go, God pray for the homeless people. You know what I'm saying? Cause you see that thing and it's a distraction to you but it may be God telling you, okay, shift your prayer to the homeless. Shift your prayer to those that are in need. You know, God, we you know we thank you for providing clothing. God, we ask you to continue to provide what the what your people need, God. Those that are, you know what I'm saying? Even though you're praying, God, I thank you for my life, health, and strength. But because a little boy popped in your head, now your prayers shifted to being God being a provider, being being providing shelter for someone, praying for the homeless, praying for those, you know, you know, orphans, you know, all that. It it, it can open up an avenue to another area of prayer and that and that also will cause a level a higher level of sincerity because now you're zeroing in on a specific thing and it's not just a generalized prayer like now i'll lay me down to sleep and praise the lord see that's what he wants wormwood wants him to to thrust away the distraction and to just keep doing now I lay me down to sleep and praise the lord my soul to keep you know just that very 
you know, it's a prayer. Don't get me wrong. Any kind, any kind of, any sort of communication to God is good, but it's, but there's very little sincerity. There's very little effort put into it. It's just, you know, just a basic prayer. But sometimes God wants us to go deeper in prayer and he wants us to, to, to kick in that intercession mode. Amen. 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 So, okay, so let's go on to number two. Oh, I'm sorry. Did anyone else have anything else to comment or say about it? John, Joya, y'all have anything, any inputs you want to say about that? About distractions and prayer and before we go on? No, nope, I'm good. Passive? <laughs> no, good. Okay. All right. So let's go to Matthew 6, 5, and 6. And when thou prays, thou shalt not be like the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the street, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou pray, enter into the closet, and when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy father which hears in secret and the father whoops i just lost where i was here's in secret and the father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly mm -hmm. okay very good Okay, so um, just got a little bit. So, what does Jesus say about the false spirituality of the Pharisees' prayer? What did he just say? Like as far as their their prayers, what did he what did he say they were? Call them hypocrites. Right, the hypocritical. Right, the prayers of the, of the of the Pharisees were hypocritical. That's false spirituality. What would the devil want to encourage a sense of false spirituality, rather than letting you petition God with sincere prayers and questions? See, the prayers. What the enemy wants us to do, he wants us, like I said, he wants us to focus on the theatrics of the prayer, mm -hmm. uh, your words, how you say it. You know. Um, focus of their prayers have become more being heard by those around them, the Pharisees. Their prayers have been more focused about being heard around them by the people around them than direct communication with God. That's a sense of false spirituality. You trying to do this to impress people. And we know that we know. We've seen it firsthand. We experienced it. So we, you know, it's like you want to have this um where am i lost my thing okay in the same way satan wants our prayers to be pious and eloquent but lacking any faith or substance that might actually cause true change in our lives he wants us to just just go through the motions of prayer not to really spend that one-on-one -on -one time with god like really getting in his face like really really going deep in prayer, like, you know, pressing your way in, 
pushing to praying until something happens or really crying out before the Lord. He wants us to just, you know, and, and even praying in public or leading prayer, you know, he wants, you know, he wants us, Satan wants our prayers to be, you know, all, you know, just show like no, no power, no anointment, nothing. It's just, you're just saying eloquent words, just saying, you know, words, you know, that that's not even in your common dictionary, vocabulary. You want to pull out words at the archives. <laughs> Get words. the source. You know, you know, I'm sorry. You remember, remember in Living Color? Remember in Living Color and the character that tried to ally, he tried to ally, he was so smart and he was saying all these words that didn't make sense. No, I've actually met people like that. They use big words all the time, but use and it, them and wrong. wrong. Incorrectly and use incorrectly. This dude, it was in Living Color. It was Damon Wayans. He was trying to act like, I don't know. He was trying to act like he was like. See the specification of the circumference. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he used to do. <laughs> and he was, and then he would make up words that didn't even make, didn't even make sense. Like, the, I don't know the humanitarianism of something. He would say something crazy. It didn't make sense and it wasn't even a word, but he tried to say it in such a way to make himself sound intelligent. And that's pretty much what um, this remind me of when, <laughs> when he said that. But anyway, um, so it's like, you know, want to pray with all these big words and, and the Bible talks about that, about sounding brass and tingling cymbals. That you're not even, you know, some people, some the old folks, the old folks, the old saints used to say, you ain't even hitting the ceiling. You're not even hitting the ceiling with your prayer. It ain't, it ain't going nowhere, but no, it ain't going nowhere, but hitting the ceiling and bouncing back down because it's not getting into the throne room. You're not getting a prayer through because of your attitude and your heart posture while you are praying. And that's what the enemy want us to focus on. How we're, our words, what we're saying, you know, you know you know, give us this day our daily bread. Father, we want you to provide us with the nourishments that is gonna fortify our, our, our every very essence of our humanist being. You know, just say, give me my daily bread. You know what I'm saying? You, 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 I mean, it's-, you're, it's you're going into the uh, lesson, uh, question number three. Am I really? I thought I was in question number three. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm in question number two. Oh, okay, question number three. Okay, read the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, 9 through 13, in your own words. <laughs> How does Jesus instruct us to pray? How hard is it for you to model this prayer in your daily life? Well, I mean, it's not hard at all. It's not hard to model this in your daily prayer. This is how he taught us to pray. You acknowledge him, our father which art in heaven. Is this the prayer, right? The Lord's prayer. Yeah, six and nine is our Father, which there are in yeah. heaven. How will be thy name? Thy kingdom yeah, come. Will, yeah, we all yeah. know it. Uh, yeah, thy kingdom come. You know that will be done. You know you acknowledge him and you act, you petition him, and then you give him praise. That's like a modern prayer, and that is just the basics of how we should communicate with the Father. Um, he does He doesn't want us to pray like the Pharisees and heathen of the day. Like I was just using an example. Um, it should be. It should not be mechanical or selfish 
but focus on God and his glory. Now, selfish. Mm, I have to kind of disagree with that statement because sometimes our prayers are selfish because sometimes we go to God for ourselves and we're praying concerning us. So sometimes it can get a little selfish because if you have an issue or a flaw within you and you recognize it, then who else are you going to go to for prayer? I mean, you're not, you know, you're going to go to God yourself. And, and I would say that prayer is focusing on just on you. You know, sometimes, you know, we pray and we're interceding and we're, we're interceding for others, but sometimes we, I don't know about y'all, but sometimes I just go to God for me. I mean, I don't pray for nobody else. I'm like, God, look, I need to talk to you. I mean, you and me, let's, you know, God, you know, when I wake up in the middle, when he wakes me up in the middle of the night, oh, that's, that's a conversation going on about me. Sometimes it's about other people, but some, most of the time I'm it's about me because I'm, he's showing me, me, he's showing me something in me. So I kind of disagree about the, the, the selfishness of the prayer. It should not be mechanical or selfish, but focus on God and his glory. Cause it is focused on God because I'm talking to him and I'm telling him these things so that I can be more like him because I see a flaw within myself and I'm acknowledging the fact that there's a flaw in me and I'm asking him, I'm seeking him for help and deliverance. You know what I'm saying? So I got right. a per yeah, that's a personal prayer and that's not, right. that's not a personal petition that's not selfish because just like you said, how are we going to change, allow him to change us if we don't, if we don't recognize it and then pray about it, if we can recognize it, know it's there and just keep on moving, how is it going to ever change if we don't petition? Exactly. So that's a personal petition. And then you have the intercessory prayer. Like yeah. some people don't, are, some people are just not intercessors. They might pray, you know, they might pray, you know, for a person or a situation, but then you got some intercessors that, you know, really know how to go in on behalf of another person, or mm -hmm. even if God directs them to pray for a region or pray for a nation, yeah, you know, or, you know what I mean? Exactly. So, it's I mean, it's about, the, it's all about growth. But what I do recognize about prayer in, um, just with the average Christian that most people really don't, the average person, I'm just being general, the average person really doesn't go into the throne room unless they're going through. Right. When they're going through and they're faced with something that, that, that only God can do. Oh, they're kicking doors then the, Right, exactly. <laughs> <But> they, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because sometimes God will allow us to go through stuff to increase our prayer life. Because he know you're you know, going to kick the door down. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> he going to let me put this on him. They're going to come up in here now. I bet you come pray now. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm you go in the closet with the prayer shawl and all and everything. The whole thing don't come out. Don't come out. Don't come right. out. Any, any other time you're praying and falling asleep. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, 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 yeah. So I think that, you know, even though the, the commentary saying it should not be mechanical or so, I, I agree, it shouldn't be mechanical. Like, you know, just going through saying the same thing, you know, you know, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray to the Lord my soul to keep, if I have, you know, that's kind of mechanical, you know, but, but selfish, um, I kind of disagree with that. I think sometimes we got it, we got to get downright selfish because 
We need to get in God's face. Now, the Pharisees displayed the exact opposite, were preoccupied with their own glory. Now, that's, you know, yeah, they're preoccupied with their own glory. They were trying to show, look the part, sound, you know, the part, sound intelligent, sound that they really, him and him and uh, them and Jesus, like, you know, that's his homeboy. <laughs> sounding, sounding holy. It's like some people, you know, loud don't mean, don't mean it's anointed. <laughs> Yes, 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 yes. And this can be a challenge to not get locked into mechanical mindless uttering that does not reach God's ears because of our lack of sincerity. And it is because sometimes, you know, we we're tired, like sometimes we're tired and we go, Lord, I just, you know, want to thank you for this day. Whew. I appreciate it. You know, and it's kind of mechanical. You're not really, you're not really interceding or praying on behalf of anybody you just kind of giving God thanks and you're kind of just like chilling it we can we can get tired and we and we can it could become if we're not careful it could be start to become a habit so that now when we pray it's it our sincerity level has has slacked that's where trials come because like you said when something happened we go do something then we then it then it then it increases it kind of it kind of rekindles the fire the flame kind of goes from a flicker to a full blown fire because now we're kicking the door down we're getting in God's face because we're going through something but here's the thing maybe perhaps you go through because of lack of let you think about that due to man's Spiritual obedience, Wormwood's effort to encourage this false spirituality will probably not work. What other tactics does Screwtape recommend to steer the patient away from prayer? From prayer. So what he's saying is that because of the patient is so into prayer and he's so into his, his his faith in God that doing this type of strategy, um, a false spirituality, it probably won't work because this man has he's he has this man's spiritual obedience will not work. Doing false spirituality, the trick of false spirituality probably would not work with the man because of his spiritual obedience. He has a bona fide prayer life. So he does go in and he intercedes. He he's aware of the distractions, like like what Wormwood did. He made a mistake and made too many distractions. So now he done shifted his prayer to the distraction, because in his mind, maybe like I said, maybe God is showing him this distraction for him to pray for. So he so he's praying that, and and now there is asking what other tactics does Screwtape recommend. To steer the patient away from prayer. Do anyone else? Did anyone pick up another distraction or another way of um, another tactic, quote unquote? No. The other the other tactic that um, Screw Tape is suggesting to Wormwood is. Um, is for Wormwood to worry him with the haunting suspicion that the practice of prayer is absurd and can have no objective results. 
um, we become a microwave generation where we expect prayers to be answered immediately according to our standards, or obviously they don't work. Um, so he wants him to think that you pray, it, it, it don't get answered, then they don't work. You pray and they, and they were, and, and your prayer is answered, then it works. So and he was trying to get him to stay in like the petitionary prayers, right? Yes. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. 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 He wants him to pray. Like if it doesn't, like you know, like he talked about um praying for the weather. If he prays for the weather, God, let it, let it be sunny mm -hmm. today. Let it be sunny tomorrow. And then it don't be sunny, your prayer didn't work. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm to, yep. So he wants him to think that what's the sense? You know, God already knew what he was gonna do anyway. You know what I'm saying? He already knew he was going to do that. And then it talks about in number five, the question is read Revelations 20. This 22.13. Somebody get Revelations 22.13. Revelations 22 and 13. I am Alpha and Omega, Ooh, the beginning I, and the end, I don't the know. first and the last. Glory. What is human what is the human perspective of time? Oh wait a minute, I, I skipped number five. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. I'm so sorry. Why judge stop me? You just let me go on ahead at six. I want to talk about the heads I win and the tails you lose argument. Somebody tell me that. How can you how can being too focused on the results of prayer actually hinder your prayer life? The heads I win, tails you lose argument is designed to make the patient feel that his prayers are useless. If his prayers are answered, he will see some evidence that leads him to rationalize that it's going to happen anyway. If they're not answered right away, then he will confirm his suspicions that asking God for things is absurd and that prayer has no impact upon the universe whatsoever. That's the heads I win, tails you lose argument. So if a prayer gets answered, it's like it was gonna happen anyway. Cause you'll see, you know, some some type of evidence that it's gonna happen anyway. Okay, for instance, Lord, I pray that it be sunny tomorrow. Well, the brother man says tomorrow is sunny with a chance of with 20% chance of rain. There's your evidence. So tomorrow, what happens? It's sunny. But well, a weatherman said, said so. It's not it was a prayer. It wasn't a prayer. It was, it was evidence. You had evidence to see that it was going to happen. So you can rationalize that prayer. Not knowing that God is the creator. He's the author and finisher. He's alpha and omega, as John has just so nicely put it. He already knew it was already predestined that the sun was going to shine regardless of what the weatherman said. It wasn't up to the weatherman to predict the weather. God had already said it was going to be sunny.
Am I losing you guys? Y'all are always quiet. Like, come on, talk to me. Say something. No, you're not losing me. I'm just listening because that can cause discouragement. And the discouragement eventually right. can get to, to non-belief. Right. And, it, and and that's the whole purpose of, of him thinking this way so that he's like, well, what's the sense of praying? It's absurd. It's, it's not going to happen. And then if it doesn't happen, like say you pray for sun and it rains, it's like prayer, prayer doesn't change things. You know how we say prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. There's no distance in prayer. And you know, it's like, it ain't, it ain't raining. I mean, it's raining. I pray for the sun to shine. Because this and this and this right here is what the key to not falling into that point, like you're saying, Prophet Patrice, the point of being discouraged, the key to help you as a prayer intercessor, a believer of God, the key to help you understand is that God is sovereign. He do whatever he wants to do. He hears us, but you know what? Sometimes our prayers just aren't answered because God knows what's best for us. Who's to say, okay, you want it to be sunny, but what if somebody needed to rain? What if some crops needed to grow? Or what if this needed this needed rain? The, 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 the land needed, the grass needed, not just somebody's neighborhood lawn, but you know, the crops needed, needed rain to grow. So even though we're praying for the sun to shine, God was like, no, I'm going to give you rain because you need rain right now because y'all in the drought. He's sovereign. And sometimes God don't answer prayers because we pray amiss. That was a miss. We don't know all that because we don't know the mind of God, but we have to accept whatever happens. If we pray for somebody to be healed and they don't be healed, you know, we pray for somebody's life to be spared and their life is not spared. We can't just dismiss and say, oh, prayer doesn't work. It's we got to understand that God is sovereign and he has the final say so. So that is what I use. That's what my fallback to, to prevent me from being depressed when prayers aren't answered or prayers aren't fulfilled. You see, the Bible says, it, uh, he says, if I abide in you and you abide in me, whatever you ask, you ask in my name shall be given unto you. Now, if you, he abides in you and you abide in him, that means your wills mesh. Mm -hmm. So you will be asking things that are in his will. Right. Another point. So missed prayers or unanswered prayers are few and far in between. And because of the fact that he abides in you, you will, uh, you will have the understanding that, okay, God, maybe you have something better or you see something that I don't see. You see farther up the road than I do. So if, if it didn't, if it didn't, if my prayer didn't get answered, you know, okay. But we should not let it discourage us and, and cause us to stop praying. But that's what screw tape wants Wormwood to work on the patient's mind to do.
Mm-hmm. See, um, if they're not answered right away, then this will confirm his suspicions that God that asking God for things absurd and that prayer has no impact upon the universe whatsoever. And when we dwell on the results of our prayers, it becomes more about God being a genie in a bottle than about seeking his best for us, regardless of the answer. Boom. Drop my bam. We, we resort to him as being a genie in a bottle. Santa Claus. He's a Santa Claus guy. Gimme, 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 gimme. Gimme. Mine, mine, mine. Mm. <laughs> so now, uh, I had asked you to. Now, if this lady talks tonight, me and her gonna have a fit. She better not answer my question. Okay, so uh, Revelations 22 13, as uh, Pastor John so wonderfully read, what is the human perspective of time? Man lives within the constraints of time and has difficulty understanding any reality that does not include time. We are on borrowed time. We are in eternity. We are here on this earth for, a, for a, a, we have a beginning and we have an ending here on earth. That's man, we have a beginning and we, oh, I hope she wasn't waiting long. Were you waiting long, sis? Were you on there a while? Because I show was steady talking. Were you waiting in the waiting room long? I'm so sorry, Sister Royale. No, I wasn't. I wasn't. I, okay. I just just got on. Okay, well, study right in my mouth. I didn't see this. I didn't see your um little uh request. Okay. All right. So um on Revelations 22:13, we just read that um we're talking about time. Man lives on a, a time and we have a, a beginning and an ending here on this journey or this road called life. We don't live forever. Okay. And um, we have a past, we have a present and we have a future. We know about stuff that took place in our, in our, in our younger years. That's our past. Now that we're in this time, at this set period, at this era, this is the present. What is happening now is our present. What's gonna happen 10 seconds from now, a second from now, five years, 20 years from now is in our future. And that's the, that's where we are. We are, we are hooked into this thing called time. You know, we see things and we remember the past and we anticipate the future. God operates in, an un, in the unbounded now. That's something that he said um, in the book. I forgot what paragraph it was. He said, God operates in the unbounded now. That, that'll preach. I'm going to tell you right now. That'll preach. The unbounded now. He is the beginning and the end. He created time and therefore he lives outside of it. Picture this if you may, because this just stirred my Holy Ghost just now. I just felt a quickening in my spirit. He lives outside of, God created time. Picture if you will, 
you standing in front of a conveyor belt and you see whatever's on a, a bottles, bottles going down the conveyor belt. And you stand there watching bottles go by on the conveyor belt. That's how God sees us. That's how God views time. He's standing looking at it. And we studied going through time and he just stood there watching it. He saw us when we were way up on the, up, up, up in, the, in the conveyor belt. He saw us right here in the conveyor belt. And he saw us as we got off the conveyor belt and in the bottle, in the box. Case. God sees so much more than that. So you're, even you trying to, to comprehend time, you're going to the bottles going down the conveyor belt, but he sees you before you were a grain of sand that got heated to be made into that glass. You better go throw my shoe at you. Yes. <laughs> he sees, he's just sitting there watching the whole picture. He created time. He created time. He lives outside of it. So even though we were just the sand pebbles on the, on the, on the sand, he made the sand before it became the glass. He made the beach before the sand got on the, on the beach. Mm -hmm. He saw and he sees it. And here's the crazy part. He sees it now. He sees it now and he sees the bottle in the case being delivered with the soda pop in it, being filled. He sees it in the person's, in the store, person bought it, person took it home. He drank it, threw the glass out. He sees all of that. And he sees all the way back to where it was just a little pebble of sand on the beach and before the beach was made. He's standing outside watching it from the outside. He's not in time. That's why he's omnipresent. He's forever present. He's present in your life. He's present in minds. He's present in prophets, Patrice, Joya, Royal. He's present in all of our lives at the same time because he created time and he's living outside of it. When it comes to our prayer life, we can find it difficult to separate God from the restraints of time we experience. Therefore, we limit our prayers to our reality rather than God's sovereignty. Oh my God. Child, it's all about to take me in again. That sovereign God, that's all, <laughs> that's all about to take me in again. But I'm telling you, that is what is so awesome about this. And so when we pray, we're praying in time. But God already knew that we were going to pray and he already knew what the answer was going to be. It's just so mind-boggling. It's just like like you know, it's like I really need to take a sailor moment and like wrap my head around the fact that he's outside of time, that he created time. He created this moment. He created this second, this millisecond. He created all of this. He created this conversation. He knew exactly what I was gonna say next. He know, because he already saw it. Isn't that crazy? Is anybody like tripping like I am right now? <laughs> <laughs> I'm tripping out, for real. 
Any, 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 any uh, uh, comments, views? Anybody want to chime in or, or say anything more? No, I actually like that conveyor belt um, analogy because it's like when you watch your stuff going down the line, you just kind of looking from like, you know, from like left to right, just looking at it. And I can imagine us, imagine God just looking at us, just our lifespan as we go down the conveyor belt, our lifespan and how if you, you know, you can pick stuff up and put it back and take stuff out. And it's like, I can see like how he would even orchestrate how you want, how do I want, how do I want this place here? How do I want this person placed here? How do I want this here? How do I want that there? So they, that analogy is like mind blowing. Okay, I'm not alone. It's like a Selah moment, right? It was like, boom, my head. Yeah. I'm like, wow. And he's just sitting there watching you go down the conveyor belt. Uh, Sister Royal, in case you're trying to figure out what we're talking about, we're talking about how God is outside of time and um, just just using that conveyor belt as a as a as a example or, or try to give you some type of visual of how God so the so the conveyor belt is the timeline so we see time as you move down the conveyor belt that's the time that's the time span but God is outside of that he's not on the conveyor belt riding with you he's standing off the conveyor belt looking at you come and go yeah all right. I get it. <laughs> I'm, 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 it's just, yeah. Okay. Anyone else have anything they want to say? Anyone want to share anything or elaborate or I'm going to try to pull out y'all tonight. <laughs> well, I just wanted to say while you were talking about the conveyor belt and how he's watching us move, he also can move us to different. Okay. So for instance, he knows he knows us because he created us, right? Right. So he knows what he created us to do. Right. But it but we have to live our life to figure out our purpose as he gives us clues and hints along the way, right? Right. Um, confirmation, affirmation, um, you know, what you like to do or what you, you know, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. even down to your career or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then what I love about God is that even when we make the bad choice in, in 2001, that in 2021, he makes up the time by connecting us with right, you know, right people, right relationships. Right, right, right. And then we can see the choice we made that it didn't kill us, but it made us stronger. It made us wiser because we learned some things, not just about other people, but about ourselves. And then God joined us back to our purpose as we got older. So I, that's what I love about God, because we can all see, you know, people's um, faults. We can also see their gifts and talents. And sometimes we get frustrated because we watch people waste or squander their talents. But sometimes there's some things in their lives that have to be worked out. So even though the prayer is not answered now, it's not, it can't be answered because it's not because you're not ready yet. It's not that he said no, it's just not now because we're not ready. So um that's what I that's what I saw the but where he could reach in and, and pick us up and say, No, I need you over here. 
and mm. then you meet that person and then also how you go somewhere and you realize how many people know each other just like if you go on Facebook and you see a friend you know how she know that person oh my god they know that person oh my god you know you see how small the world is but how people are interconnected and somewhere down the line you're going to line up to where he wants you to be even even if it's not even your own decision you know he kind of pushes you to where you're supposed to go. Now we can keep making bad, bad decisions and choices and he can keep giving us the rescue plan and a way of escape. And, but sometimes for some people that when life shows up and they, it, it, they go down, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We know some friends who have was on the trail and they, and they keep going down, down, down. And they get so discouraged that somebody, every time they try to do something, it don't work. And they, after a while they get discouraged and you were like, girl, you gotta pray about that. Pray for what? You know, and you get that attitude because at this point they're frustrated because life is not working out. But what happened was they didn't allow God, they didn't go to God for God, or they didn't stay with God long enough for God to transform their way of thinking. Therefore, they would make better choices. So then they get mad at God because they didn't stay long enough. Or like you said, they want the, you know, I want when I want when I want it. I want it now. Mm -hmm. I'm going to pray. Mm -hmm. I need you to do this tomorrow. Well, mm -hmm. that's not how God works. Mm -mm. But the growth comes to understanding that it's in his time. Right. That even when we make the choices, bad choices and mistakes, that even we want to hurry up and correct it, sometimes it takes years for the correction to take place to where he moves us to where we're supposed to be when we're ready to be there mm -hmm. and not a moment sooner or later. So that's what I heard. I saw all of that when y'all were talking about the career folks. That's very good. Delay is not deniable. Bobo. <laughs> awesome. That was very good. That was very good. Anyone else? Before we move on to number seven. Okay. Scripture time. I need somebody to get John 14, 13, John 15, 16, and John 16, 23. 14, 13, 15, 16, and 16, 23. Who got 14, 13? Do I have to pick, pick names? I got 14, 13. Okay, read. <laughs> and whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Okay. In the book of John, Christ instructs us that we ask for anything in his name and he will give it to us. This assumes that we will not be asking for anything outside of the moral law, especially if we are asking for it in Jesus' name. So, for example, if we pray for godly spouses, for our children, that would be considered a noble and unselfish request that God could honor. As a result, he is there in the future providing a godly spouse. However, free will now enters the equation. Because he loves each of us, he has also provided us with free will. Our children can exercise their own free will. Okay, so I'm going on to the next one. Go to 15, who got 15, 16? John 15, 16. Who got we it? We have not. Good. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you 
that ye shall go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit shall remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Mm. Okay. Who got 1623? John 16, verse 23. Can someone get that, please? All right, y'all being bad. And in that day, 1623, and in that day ye shall ask me, and in that, and in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, really, I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to he will give it you. Yeah, give it you. Okay. That's so how can we how can we reconcile? These verses with statements like, if God is going to do whatever he wants, why pray? Or why doesn't God seem to answer my prayers? Or how do I know that what I prayed for wouldn't have happened anyway? How can we reconcile these scriptures? How do these scriptures tie in? I'm going to tell you how. The example would ask for godly spouses. That would be a noble and unselfish request that God could honor. As a result, he is there in the future providing a godly spouse. However, free will now enters the equation. Because he loves each of us, he has also brought of us with free will. Our children can exercise their own free will. In accordance with God's plan for their life, they can choose either godly spouse that has been prayed for them in advance or the heathen that will cause them a mountain of trouble. Every prayer we pray has eternal significance. Oh, so let's look at that. So, okay, if God knows what I want, why, why, why should I pray? Or, or why doesn't God seem to answer my prayers? How do I know that what I prayed for wouldn't happen, wouldn't have happened anyway? Don't know. You don't know. But the example that they're showing here. So, okay, I'm praying, okay, I'm praying that joy of meat. A, a, a good godly man that, he, that God will bless her with a godly spouse and that they will have bunch and bunch and bunch of children with a godly job children bunch of children that's my prayer for Joya that she would meet someone who loves the Lord who's saved who's filled with the Holy Ghost and that you know now Joya this is just an example because we know all we all know that this is not going to be the case. Joya could go up and say, I don't want no godly man, I want thug. <laughs> I want a wife beater. So she'll go. Oh Lord. But he loves oh, me. Oh my. That but devil is a liar. I bind that right now. I don't want to go to jail for murder. <laughs> but he loved me though. This is just an example. Calm down. All y'all went off. <laughs> just, I said it as a disclaimer. This is just an example. So because of her free will, she has the choice. Does it mean that she will marry a godly spouse? I don't know. But my faith in God to believe, and because of the fact that 
my prayer is unselfish and it's noble, it's honest, it's, 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 it's lines up with the word because we should marry within, you know, that, you know, they say uh, not being unequally yoked, but you know, that's a whole different area thing of discussion. But so not being unequally yoked with non-believers. So that's what the Bible tells us not to do, to be yoked up with non-believers. But at the same time, she has a free will. Now I'm praying this, I have a relationship with God. God, you know, me and God, we have a right, I'm in right standing with God. God honors my prayer. So in God's time, in, in the time I remember the conveyor belt, on that conveyor belt, this joyous traveling, there's a godly spouse waiting for her. But once again, like you said, Prophet Patrice, we make wrong mistakes. What if Joya on the conveyor belt of time decides she wants to go over here with the heathen or with the thug? But he it, loves the Lord. <laughs> you know, you know what? No. Um, he's a heathen. Okay, he does not love the Lord. The godly spouse loves the Lord. Okay. You're messing up the scenario. So because of our self-will, she can deviate from the plan. Now, let's look at this. She loves God. Do y'all love God? What's wrong with you? But anyway, she loves God. And she realizes, I made a mistake. God, I do not want to be, this is not for me. I do not, this is not what, what I want. You know, I realize this is not the man that you have sent for me to marry, blah, 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 blah. So she breaks off and leaves the thug. Okay, now, because she is in right standing with God and she prayed to God, you know, God, I, I want a, I want a man who's saved. I want a godly spouse. Okay. I'm gonna honor your prayer. So guess what? The godly spouse that I pray for that's on the conveyor belt is still over there. And see, this is where God comes in prophet Patrice and guide us back to the original plan. Ain't that awesome? I'm getting goosebumps. Just talking about this. Isn't that awesome? Free will. So we can pray a prayer and God honors it. And so on the, 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 the conveyor belt of time, it's up there waiting for her. But because of her choices, if she doesn't stay on the path that God has predestined for her, she will miss that godly spouse. Because, but, but see, God loves us enough that he's given us free will. He is not going to make us do anything he gives us choices we can choose if she chooses to stay with the lord and continue to go on and wait for her spouse to find her she will continue to go on and that man that that godly spouse that man that i've been praying that god has honored my prayer is still waiting for her on the conveyor belt of her life and that thug is over on the left side now she don't left and, and god has redirected her path got her back on the, the road and now she's going to connect or collide with the spouse that God had already set for her, not the heathen thug. Do you get it? Yep. Anybody else don't understand or do you see what I'm saying? Do you see how, how, how God operates? Do you see how he 
moves in our prayers. I'm, I'm being blessed by this. This is awesome. This is an awesome one tonight. Cause you could, you know, and then you could be praying. So there's, so think about all the times you prayed for things and they're up there in eternity. God honored them. They're up there, but yet they haven't been answered yet. Even though we want, so like say, okay, say if I wanted her to meet the guy sooner, I wanted to meet her. I want her to be married. I, I want her to be married now. But guys, okay, she going, she going, he waiting for her. But it may, it may not happen for another couple of years. You the know? devil, I'm over it. <laughs> <laughs> Work with me, Joy. It's just a scenario. <laughs> Stop messing up the story now. My storyline, you're messing it up. Oh, well, you use me for an example. I'm voicing my opinion. <laughs> well, okay. Okay. Uh, okay, I got one. I got okay, one. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. All right, so how old am I? I'm 59. Mm -hmm. oh, right. You had to ask how old you was, Lord. No, I had to think because in 29 days, I'll be 60, so I'm counting. But anyway. <sighs> Before my mother passed away, she told me that God had showed her that I was going to, you know, be his servant and all this, you know, whatever. She didn't go into specifics of what I would do in ministry or anything like that. But God showed that to her when I was a little girl. Mm -hmm. Well, I might have been, what, a couple years old when, when God showed her that? Mm -hmm. That didn't come to pass until I was 43. Mm hmm because of choices, because of things that had happened to me and all the life showed up in my life. Mm -hmm. But she kept praying. And at one point she asked God, are you sure? Because I wasn't living that life that he showed her. Right, right. And before she died, when I had the first conference, the first paradigm shift conference mm -hmm. in 2012, in September, my mother was there and she sang and she talked about I am, I am so grateful to be on this side of glory to see God's promise fulfilled for my child. Mm. And my mom died in that same year in December. Mm. So she got to see what God showed her when I was a little girl as, a, as an adult, but she had to watch me struggle through all those years, you know, as a teenager, you know, young adult, whatever, mm -hmm. the whole drug situation. But just saying that, that even though sometimes we can live the prayers of our mothers, our grandmothers, you know, we don't know what our grandmothers pray for us and what mm -hmm. our mothers pray for us in their secret right. closets. But right. it might not happen today, but if God showed it to them, it's going to happen. We just don't know when. But I'll never forget when she said it because I was in shock when she said it because she said it in front of a room for the hundreds of people. And the fact that I didn't even know that God had told her that. Mm. And the fact that she still said, I get to see what God said on this side of glory. My God. You know what I'm saying? And it just put chills to my spine because I'm like, wow, my mom been praying for me all the time. I gave her a run for her money. You know what, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So she yeah. stayed in the closet praying for me. So mm -hmm. just to see now that even though, you know, I still, you know, life shows up. 
but that I haven't strayed away from what God showed up. But it took me all those years to catch up to the promises of God. So that that was powerful when you were talking about Joya, and I had to change the subject off, off of Joya because you know, you know, that's that's my special baby. But anyway, um, <laughs> I'm just saying I got you, I got your back, Joya. So no, um, it's fine. I don't care. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. That's your mama, girl. I ain't messing with y'all. Yeah, she's just... gonna marry. She's gonna marry. But I just, I just wanted, I just wanted to point that out that when God shows our parents, or you know, we don't know what right. they're praying on our behalf. That just because it doesn't look like it's gonna happen, doesn't yep. mean it's not gonna happen. So I just that's why I said all of that to say that. Yeah, and even with you know some prayers, you know. We God blessed her to see it. Some prayers we're not going to see. Exactly. You know, some some prayers we won't see, but we mm -hmm. praise God that God allowed your mom to see mm -hmm. that prayer answered. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of prayers she probably did pray for that hasn't come to pass yet, but it's for an appointed time. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So I mean. So it's, it's it's that timeline. I mean, that's such a great analogy. I have to share this tomorrow morning. But um, so uh, let's wrap it up. Last question: What is the historical point of view? How does this view actually prevent human from learning? The historical point of view. This was good. You know what it means by a historical point of view? It means that when an educated man is presented with a statement from an author of the past, the question he asks is not whether the statement is true, but whether it aligns with the current generational standards. This point of view keeps wisdom from being passed from generation to generation and manipulates the media to their own ends. So when you have a historical point of view, um, like for example, let's take, let's take the word, let's take the word of God. If you look at the word of God, the Bible, as a historical point of view, it keeps, see, if you, okay, let's look at the Bible. You look at it from a historical point of view. You're not going to question whether the statement is true or whether it aligns with the current generational standards. Does it fit today's world? Not whether or not it's true, what the word says about Jesus crucifixion, death and resurrection, not, but what, whether it aligns with the current generational standards. And see, in this point of view, keeps wisdom from being passed from generation to generation and manipulates the media to their own ends. So when you have a historical point of view, you're not looking at the fact that this actually happened. You're wondering whether this view still is current and applicable to today. And we can see where there is a great falling away happening. There's the great apostasy going on. We see how media is just turning and switching things all around. Um, they even tried to say that, you know, uh, who was it? David and John were, you know, lovers. King David and, and Jonathan, they try to say they were lovers. That's where, um, you know, some of the uh, different groups of today's society try to validate that. 
and try to say that, you know, what they what the lifestyle that they're in is, is okay. So they try to manipulate and twist and turn things around. Um, not the fact that the word of God says that that is that type of perversion and all that, all types of fornication, even adultery, fornication, all those things are true statement that they are sins and that they are abomination and unto the Lord. But yet historical point of view wants to see, okay, is that is that going to fit or does it coincide with today's generation? No, everybody's sleeping with everybody. So it doesn't fit. So that's why, you know, it's so hard to grasp the truth. It's so hard to grasp the word of God because if, the, if because everybody's looking at it as a historical point of view. That doesn't matter whether it's true or not. Doesn't add up, it doesn't fit into this generation that we're in now, the current generational standards. Right now it's like, if it feels good, do it. That's the Nike commercial, everybody, everybody ran with that. If it feels good, do it. You want to sleep with this one, do it. You want to drink this, do it. You want to smoke that, do it. You know, if it feels good, do it. And everybody's done ran and they run amok and everybody's doing that. But what happens is when you get caught up in that point of view, there's, remember they were talking about how um, Pastor John, where it talks about, where is that in the, in the book? I was in the Bible. In the book where it talks about that gap. Remember? The gap that we that, that he made toward the end of the chapter. End of the chapter, he made that statement because we were talking about that. Um, excuse me, I'm sorry. I'm just gonna find it, find it real quick. Uh, da, 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 da. Hmm. I'm trying to see. Um, let's see. So it briefly means that when it lands, it's a da 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 I don't see it. I'm trying to see where that, it causes a gap and it causes a, an inability. Okay, here it is. And since we cannot deceive the whole human race all the time, it is most important thus to cut every generation off from all others for where learning makes a free commerce between the ages, there was always the danger that the characteristic errors of one may be corrected by the characteristic truths of another. So by, by keeping that gap and causing generations not, not being able to pass down truths from generation to generation, it, 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 it causes us the inability to not make the same mistakes as our forefathers did. So if something like in the Bible, like the word, you know, it says in Hebrews that these things were in samples for us to learn how and how not to, that the word was written. Um, it says it in the book of Hebrews about these things. These people were in samples where they talked about Rahab by faith, Noah by faith, Abraham, all these things. Where's that scripture? Hold on, let me find it. Um, somebody help me out and see if they can find it real quick. Is in is in he is in Hebrews, and he said these are these these examples. Chapter eleven, chapter eleven. That's the faith chapter. Yeah. Okay. And it says, let me see. Hebrews already. On. Hebrews chapter eleven. Um. 
Now faith, da, 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 by faith, yeah, because Enoch was caught up. Okay, but without faith, okay. Let me get the right version because I got amplified. And I know it probably ain't going to say it the way I wanted to say it, like it does in King James. Okay, but Noah being warned, Abraham, talking about Abraham, who faced Sarah. They all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them far off and persuaded by them. But a country of me, faith, by faith, Joseph, faith, Moses, by faith, he took Egypt, by faith, by faith, what shall I say more? By faith, you can see. Nope, that's not it. Because he said these were written as in samples to show us so that we can learn from them. Paul, peace of men, Let me see if I can find in samples. E N S A M. I'm sorry, y'all. I just want to finish up with this and we'll let you guys go. I promise I will keep you longer. <laughs> in samples. Okay. Well, you look, are you looking for Rahab? Um, because you mentioned something about Rahab. No, First Corinthians, First Corinthians ten and eleven. Okay. They drink. They follow the rock. Okay. Um. First Corinthians chapter ten, verse one. I'm sorry, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. First Corinthians chapter 10, one, moreover, brother, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all baptized under Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink, but they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. But many of them, God was not well pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our example to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted neither ye be idolaters as were some of them as is written the people sat and eat and drink and rose up to play neither, neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand neither let us tempt christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer now all these things happen unto them for in samples that they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are to come he was saying they did all these things so that we could learn not to do and that's what when you have the historical point of view if you don't see the mistakes of the people or your fathers you 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 may wind up making the same mistake, but that's why God instructed them to tell the stories, to keep telling and repeating over to their children and their children's children, the things that he did for them, how these things happen. That's why these reports are so accurate, even in the New Testament, because they would tell the stories over and over and over. So the things, the truths were passed down from generation to generation. But when you have a historical point of view, you're not worried about the truth. You're only concerned whether or not it fits into what the generation of that time, does it fit? Does it make sense? 
you know, so there's a breaking and there's a gap and there's a drop, there's a cutting off from the stories being passed on to the next generation. So they have nothing to learn from. So when it comes time for them to rise to the occasion, all they have to go on is what they know. They don't know that in the past, God did this and God did that. So that's why it's important to tell, tell your, share your testimonies because if I never told my children we didn't have lights and, and, and we were getting ready to get evicted, but God made a way for us to get the money to pay the rent and can turn the lights on. If I never told them that, you know what I'm saying? They would never know to trust God in that way that he's a provider. Oh, that's good. Man, I'm ready. Y'all better send me a heave offering. No, I'm kidding. But anyway... <laughs> That's what, that was the scripture I was trying to find about in samples that, you know, so it's like all those different things that are happening. If we don't have something to show us or to show us the mistakes, you know, like somebody said, I know what to do and what not to do as a pastor. I mean, they were able to see some things or whatever. If they didn't, if they didn't see things or didn't experience anything, they would know. Right. But the historical point of view, it doesn't matter about all that. They just want to know whether or not is it does it fit? Does, does it does it fit into my life? You know, um, me stop fornicating. Does that fit into my life? Do I need to stop fornicating? Nah, that's a historical point of view. Now nah, that that's that that was back then. They were told to do that back then. Remember, God did away with the law. You know, that's that's <laughs> that's where they're gonna go. That's where they go with it. That's an old testament. That's that's the that was from the old testament. We're in the new testament now. Jesus came and died for all our sins, he forgave us for everything. So it's we under great, we under great. <laughs> so we could do whatever we want to do. Once saved, always saved. But that's, I, I think that was it. Yeah, that was the last question for letter 27. I thank you for hanging in there with us. I know it's after 8.30. Oh, it's almost nine o'clock. So we're going to go ahead and just go ahead straight up and dismiss. We uh, thank you guys for joining us on tonight. I pray that it was a blessing. It blessed me. It gave me so much insight on prayer and how once again, the enemy will try to cause you to, to be distracted. He will cause you to be mechanical and try to move you into selfish prayers. And then he will also try to stop you from praying because of the fact that God is omnipresent. He's, he's in the past, beginning, and the future. And that as far as they're concerned, he was going to do that anyway. So what's the sense of praying? God knew what was going to happen anyway. But at the same time, our prayers do have an effect. Prayer does changes things. Because who's to say that somebody life on that conveyor belt was heading straight to hell, but because of your prayer, God decided to deviate their plan and bring them into the sheepfold because of your prayer. There's a chance for them for a salvation but they have to still make the choice. You put a, 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 a 
cross in their path. And if they stay on that path and don't deviate from that path, they will find Christ. So prayer does change things. Amen. Father, we thank you for this night. We thank you, Lord God, for this word. We pray, oh God, that it will bless, that it will move on the hearts of your people. Father, I pray that this lesson will open the eyes to see that they will be more alert and more aware of what they're praying. Father, what they're saying. Father, unto you. Father, we pray, oh God, that our words will line up with your words, that our prayer will line up with your desires, Father, that our will will become your will, Father, in the name of Jesus, and that your will become our will. That's it. Your will become our will, Father, in the name of Jesus, that we will understand and that we will obey and that we will walk the path that you have lit before us. God, we thank you. We thank you. We actually, Lord God, to bless each and every one that is listening on, on, on the call. We pray that those that, that are going to listen to the podcast, we pray, oh God, that you will bless them. Father, let this word permeate in their spirits. Father, let this seed be planted within them that will ignite them, that would encourage them to push their way in prayer, to pray harder, to press in to your presence, that they won't find themselves just doing the same old uh, repetitive, non-sincere prayer, but God, that there will be fervence in their prayer, that there'll be fire in their prayer when they talk to you from this day forth, Father, we speak and declare it to be so in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for joining us on tonight. We pray that you are encouraged and inspired. If you desire to be a blessing to the ministry, you may do so by sending a love gift to www.paypal.me forward slash VLCC or through our cash app, which is the dollar sign VLCC Life. We also invite you to stop by our website by clicking on the link. May God bless you and may your day always be victorious.